0: Also uh, next week we mentioned about Pentecost and um, so we've been following the church ca- the calendar you know Easter and, and uh, before Easter on Palm Sunday and now we're at the day of Pentecost where the spirit fell on the church. It's always been a special time for us because we found that it's a great opportunity, as is the case in our life in the spirit classes to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit, have a Pentecostal experience of tongues just like, Uh, they had in the early church. And um, that day just seems to be a special day. And um, so what I'd like to say is there's several things that are going on, but we will have a, on Sunday evening especially, uh, we'll be doing worship. If you look on your your bulletin, um, they'll be doing worship all weekend long. When they say chapel, we've got so much construction, new things going on, but there's a little uh, room in the very corner across that building in that corner, and it says chapel on it. So there will be constant worship going on during the day next week on Saturday and also uh, in the afternoon before the Pentecost service on Sunday. So I just want you to be aware of that, that that's going to be going. We really like that. Uh, that, But then there will be the service here uh, on Sunday night. And on Sunday night we use it as sort of a time for anyone who hasn't been baptized with the Spirit or or is not speaking in tongues yet specifically and you would like to or you have some children that would like to. Uh, Or, I mean, even if they don't like to, they can actually get ambushed by the Lord. It's amazing. So I have that happen all the time. And uh, I got ambushed. Matter of fact, I I never, I have this burden on my heart because I was 17. I got absolutely ambushed. You know, they said, uh, hey, is speaking in tongues uh, real for today? Does God still do signs and wonders and healing? This Presbyterian kid thought, wow, that's different. I am bored to death in this place. Okay, I'm in. You know, and I did it to get away from the other boring stuff. And lo and behold, that started me on an adventure, you know. Just this little thing called speaking in tongues. When that started, my whole life changed dramatically. Dramatically, dramatically, dramatically. So I've always wanted to make room in our church for that. Just a simple impartation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Just like I did on Pentecost. So we do that. We have some worship. Great time. And there's other impartations of the Spirit that happen. But our primary goal is to have... Uh, people come and actually receive their prayer language. And some of you may have had some really dramatic encounters with the Spirit, but you haven't yet spoken in tongues. So we make sure we we do that. We do it in my Life in the Spirit class all year long, but then we sort of at the end of the Life in the Spirit classes at Pentecost, we use that time to just make sure anybody who would like to have an experience with the Holy Spirit in that particular way uh, would come and do that, right? And I think people sometimes overlook that, even uh, charismatic Pentecostal churches. This is the headwaters. This is the, how it started. So I think it's a great way for people to start. And once that happens, we've found in our church that people really acclimate really, really well uh, to the other things. And there's so many other things beyond speaking in tongues, right? So anyway... Um, I have on your outline there hopefully everyone has one it should say standing firm and unafraid in the love of God so could we make sure everyone has an outline if you don't you find one I think the outlines are helpful at least that's what everybody tells me and it helps me too to just sort of stay on track before I do that I have a special guest uh, to stand up with her friend and uh, this is Polly would you please stand up Polly both of you and uh, my heart's overflowing with Polly I'm going to pray for you okay okay Uh, and you you guys, okay, but uh, Polly, especially the one in the gold shirt there, is the daughter of Sopal Ung. So early in our walk uh, uh, with the church and early in my experience of the the vineyard even, uh, Sopal showed up in my life again uh, from the killing fields uh, of Cambodia, and he survived it with uh, only a handful of believers. All the rest were murdered. And... um, And uh, so there was a lot of loss of life, including in Polly's own family, as a result, directly or indirectly, from that time. And um, so early in our churches, uh, actually before our church was born, uh, actually when we were with Eddie, um, we actually launched the work in Southeast Asia. And uh, that work is an apostolic work that's going on under the most incredibly powerful, horrible conditions you could imagine but being faithful to the Lord, walking with God, getting people saved in the darkness of Southeast Asia. It's a very dark place, by the way. Uh, there's lots of places. I don't like to I don't identify exactly the country, but it's very, very dark there. Most of you know anyway. But but uh, I just wanted to honor you, Polly. I just, you know, it just makes my heart. I just want to cry a little bit because uh, it was such a <clears throat> supernatural, powerful thing, the birth of that church movement. And... Uh, and took such not only power and charisma and everything from raising people from the dead to casting out demons to, to major massive healings and all the rest and the ministry to the poor, but, but it takes a tremendous amount of faithfulness and sacrifice to exist in that environment where the government's always breathing down your neck. There's always persecution. There's always trouble and trial. And, uh, and uh, every kind of imaginable issue to resist. And yet that church movement, your dad and your family have stayed true. Uh, you even lost a, a child through that whole thing. And uh, and I just uh, want to honor you and just thank you. And I just want to pray a special blessing on you too, okay? Uh, our Cambodian representatives today. In the name of Jesus, may the Lord bless you too. May God's hand be on you. Wherever you go, may you be blessed. May God bless your children and your family line and anything that belongs to Sa Paul, Lord, that's in his family line and their, their family line. And cousins, aunts, uncles, I don't care who it is, may they all be blessed just because of the powerful and holy seed and the sacrificial seed that continues to sacrifice and be persecuted even to this day. In Jesus' name, the Lord bless you, Polly. The Lord bless your family and everyone in it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so happy you came today. It's very nice. You still living in Colorado? Okay. So she lives in Colorado now. So uh, the title of our sermon today is uh, Standing Firm and Unafraid in the Love of God. And I have to preface this uh, before I go another further, any further. I-, I want you to hear this really, really loud and clear. And, I, and I'm getting to that place in my class, Life in the Spirit, which we do every Wednesday here, uh, where we talk about the subject of encountering the love of God. And I just want to make a comment on the love of God. That the love of God's not just something that you do out of duty, and it is a series of choices, certainly, right? We make loving and unloving choices. But it turns out that I didn't know until I actually came in and washed up on the shores of the vineyard that I didn't know that there is an experience with the compassion of God that goes deeper than anything I could have imagined. I knew that I ought to love. I just didn't know that I could actually receive love. So I don't want to go any further without making that caveat, and I'll mention it again at the end. And there is an experience with the love of God that I never dreamed was possible. I know for years and years I'm supposed to love God, right? And that God loves me, theoretically, but I didn't know that God could make me aware of how much he loved me in such a dramatic way. I didn't know that love was so dramatic. I've always thought of signs and wonders as dramatic. Uh, prophecy maybe is dramatic, but never love. It just seems so sort of simple in the background. But fiery love was what burned in the heart of the apostles. It was burned in the heart of Jesus representing his father. And fiery and also beautiful melting love, i got to say it that way, uh, is available for all of us. And I need to let you know that. And it's so important. So it's the context in which I'm saying everything, really, that there's an experience with the compassion of God where you know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you, that there's an inbreaking of the spirit in that way. And I learned that from Eddie Pioric and Janet, who are here today, and uh, their ministry. And they learned it sort of in the context of the vineyard. They discovered this golden nugget. In midst of all of the healings and the power and the worship, they, they, they learned to mine out that there's this one ingredient that was really at the very uh, beginning of the vineyard and, 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 and can, is available to all vineyard churches and everybody else. Uh, this love, this compassion, this mercy, even mercy music. That's why our music is like, that's the, the title of the early uh, albums that were coming, the CDs that were coming out with the, with the vineyard. And even you can tell in our church, I call it melt music. It's, it just, you know, somewhere along the way in our music, always without a fail, there's a melting part. There's your heart melt. You just feel intimate. You feel soft inside. You feel an encounter with not only the power of God, but the love of God, right? So the title of this is Standing Firm and Unafraid in the Love of God, something that I think is incredibly important uh, for this day and time, especially where we're living. So I want to look at, uh, read the first uh, few verses of Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I just want to underline that because that's exactly where we're at right now. Even in the church, the love is growing cold. Our first responsibility is to love this world. And so everything flows from there. Yet in a place, in a time it's full of offense, full of everybody's angry opinions that sometimes love gets lost in the mix and it's fig- hard to figure out, like, how do I love this kind of world? And does love even play a part in it? It seems like to me prophecy's better, declaring a fire down on things, <laughs> messing things up that need to be messed up, right, and evil that needs to be quenched. But I assure you, and this time, Jesus makes a specific, quote, uh, specific comment, the love of most will grow cold. So this is actually the opposite of that is what needs to happen in the church, right? And I can always tell by the way I talk and the way others talk if they've got the love of God in them. If they've had a time with the Father, had some commissioning from the Lord the Lord in love, have felt the touch of God, felt just a smil, simple warmth of God in the morning in their devotions. Or when farther away we get from love, the more error we get into. too. In other words, I'm not talking about loving the world first. I'm talking about feeling the compassion of God in you so that you can appropriately love the world. Because appropriate loving the world means that sometimes you have to stand up for the truth and be strong, courageous. And other times you need to be weak. The only way you can discern which one you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be in the world is by your own encounter with the love of God, which comes complete with directions. Matter of fact, Jesus said something he said, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. So that love that comes in actually has it, at revelation about your own life, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to respond, and how the church is supposed to respond to the wider question of politics run amok, violence everywhere, and some of the craziest things we've ever seen in our generation. How do you cope with such a thing? I just want to tell you, you cope with it uh, internally. And I want you to say something else. You cope with it externally, too, but in this sense, I mean that. In a church that is full of the love of God, I want to say that again, in a church that's full of love, understands these things. You can't find that everywhere, unfortunately. And so because of it, what happens is the leaders and the people, they get off. They look like they're doing righteousness, but they get off. They make really dumb decisions because their heart's not secured. They're not patient. And they do a lot of things in the name of prophecy and and uh, fighting for our country and everything, and sometimes there's a time for that to be more uh, direct, more uh, rebellious in the sense of the way the world looks at it than ever. There's also a time to be quiet, and there's a time to uh, apply yourself in a different way. And always what's in is loving other people, loving the world, and being an answer to the deepest problems of our culture, one of which is homelessness and and the poverty and the brokenness of our time, right? Having an answer for broken spirits, broken hearts internally, because it's an internal issue. There's a bankruptcy in our culture, and it'll only be filled with love, but there needs to be communities of love exemplifying that, both for the world and with each other. And that only happens when individuals are experiencing compassion from God himself. Not just religion, not just what you ought to do, but what God is changing you on the inside into to be. There's a really big difference. That's why he says here, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And I can feel that sometimes in the church. We're growing cold. You know, we, 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 we're, we're fighting, yes, but don't what, if you fight, make sure it's the Lord and make sure you're not growing cold in the process, that you still have compassion. You can see that ornery people, mean people, people that are going the whole wrong way need to get saved and loved. And need an encounter with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we just go to war, right? And you can't do this without love. You can't do this. I'm convinced now without a community of love. It's very difficult to operate in this without other people understanding and praying over you and encouraging you and living in this place and imparting uh, what they know. And uh, and so all our program, everything we have, is really oriented toward having. Helping people have an encounter with God, but not missing the love part. A prophetic encounter, dreams and visions and healings and all kinds of miracles. But in it also, a basic respect and honor and love for people and for them doing better, right? Whether they're rich or poor or in between, right? There's a bankruptcy. Somebody robbed the church, and I'm going to say especially the Western church, of his love of its compassion, of it feeling that actually they are loved themselves, and they were bankrupt as a result. We need to fill our bank with a new currency, right? And so he's prophesying, because of the increase of wickedness, and that's exactly right, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And how does one stand firm to the end? That's the question of the day, isn't it? How do I stand firm? and the end what about in this election how do i stand firm what does it mean to stand firm right now and so i believe there's answers for that i believe there's answers for that how do we stand firm how do we become political if we need to be political what's the way we do that what's the process how do we how do we approach it right and all the other questions that we have questions on education Questions in every virtually every area of our life that's trying to be pillaged and stolen from by the enemy. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. So he's just doing his job, right? (laughs) But I came that I might have life and have it abundantly. And part of that abundance, I'm going to tell you, it's not money. That's part of it. I, I want to have enough money, believe me. But abundance of spirit, of life. I'm secure in my soul. I know where my family is. I know where I am. I know where we need to go. I am sure of my track. I am sure of where I'm at, where we're going as a people. And that only comes from the security of feeling God's revelation and his love in your heart. And he'll give you your directions and they're very specific. They're not fuzzy. And he helps you to know the right time and procedure for everything, right? And then here's this last verse that I want to mention. Here's a marker. This is a marker for where we're at in time. All right? So first, the love of most will grow cold. But notice verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as testimony to all the nations. And the end will come. So we see two things here. The love that needs to be hot for the church, right? But also an incredible opportunity, which we've just mentioned here with regard to Cambodia. But our church has been up to their eyeballs in this cause here because I believe it relates to our time. I believe we're in the time of the end. But the part of the end that I like the most is this gospel of the kingdom. We preach to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So I've been following that. How are we doing? How are we doing? And it's actually chartable in today's culture, today's ability to uh, communicate. It's actually how far along have we come? And I always tell my life in the spirit class, I show them the maps. I show them this is where we were. This is where we are now. And the most remarkable thing over the last 20 years is we are moving at an unparalleled pace, the preaching of the gospel all over the earth. And yes, we are so used to getting reporting from you know agencies and organizations and publicity and the whole thing. Right? Much of what is going on in the earth you will not hear publicized. I'll tell you it again, the most powerful evangelism that's going on, on the earth is not public; it's almost hidden. And I sometimes wonder to myself. I'm thinking, my goodness, nobody knows this. And I'm thinking, how do I know this? And I'm thinking, God, I swear, you must have a cloaking device that you're doing here. You must be doing some w- weird thing. How do not people are aware of this? When you become aware of what's really happening, it'll, it, it, it makes your head lift up, and then you go, wow, there's a lot more going on here than it looks like. We're so f- dealing with, you know, political issues and this and that, you know, but the, uh, here's what the devil's dealing with. Unparalleled preaching of the gospel and swaths of humanity that have stayed in bondage for 2,000 years, now coming to Christ in the last 10 to 20 years. That's what he's dealing with. And so I think maybe that I probably would like to be a part of this. You know, okay, I live in the United States and we're not exactly in the revival capital of the world right now, right? Comparatively speaking, oh, but I have resources. We have resources. So it's like we got gas. Olean, right? And we... i going to make sure I'm clear on that. Gasoline, right? <laughs> uh, sometimes I think of the strangest... Thing. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> Must be my age. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> I'm getting deeper. Right. Gasoline. We have gasoline. You got to put it on the fire. Right? <laughs> And it burns so we can pour stuff and resources and just even expertise, even just leadership things and even simple things to cause this fire to burn so much fire. That's part of our inheritance as the American church. In this era of communication, in this era of transportation, looking over the land and sending a resource here and resource there and even technology here and there to see the gospel move at a level we've never seen before. Oh my, I think of some hidden areas of the world right now that don't have Bibles and how we're invading those areas. And with technology, we're able to get things in and uh, communicate. they're able to get the Bible with solar power and little handheld things. I mean, it's amazing what's going on. The body of Christ, what's being communicated around the world in hidden places, in places you would never believe that there's movement and revival going on is happening now. That's because it's all part of the same picture. All right. So if we look at Matthew 24, the verb in Matthew 24, 10, translated turn away from the faith, is scandalizo. Anybody know what that sounds like? What does that sound like? Scandalize. So let's look at 24:10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Hmm. Doesn't mean everybody, but many who know the Lord will turn away. A better way to say it is, scandalizo, they get scandalized. This is what we got to be careful about. got to get scandalized. You can get scandalized by all kinds of things, by the unrighteousness in the school system, the unrighteousness in the politics, the unrighteousness here or there, by the way churches aren't doing this or that, and they should be. Everybody seems to have an opinion these days. Have you noticed that? <laughs> right. And then, you know what? I always listen to the spirit behind your a dramatic opinion. And my first thought is, I wonder if this guy's scandalized or not. (laughs) Right? So, definition. To offend, to put a stumbling block in the ways, the word scandalize or scandalizo. To cause a person to trust someone, he, she ought to trust and obey. And I say it this way. Taking the bait stick of unfulfilled expectations leads a person to be offended, scandalized. See the scandal on is that little thing we used to I used to do in the desert with a little stick there, you know? It's got something attached to it and somebody pulls it and the box comes down over the animal and then you get it and you get to torment it for a few but that's what I did when I was little, you know, just you know, I mean, I didn't know how to take care of it, barely fed the thing, you know, but I I'd catch these lizards and stuff and it was so great, you know, feed them to snakes and whatever, you know. Sordid, horrible past, but anyway, <laughs> As a seven or eight year old in the desert, right? But this scandal is the bait stick. It's the way the enemy baits us. Unfulfilled expectations. You were hoping for this or you were hoping from that, from a loved one, from somebody, and they didn't come through. Matter of fact, they maybe did the opposite. And now you're under the box. Lots of people are horribly soul sick at this time. That's why. The ministries of some of the counselors that I'm looking at in the room, Uh, Kent and Kathy, of course, and Chanel and Deborah, and others that are counseling. And one of our biggest things is people just have broken hearts. They're broken, you know. How do you fix a, a, a soul that's sick? And this is actually one of the key issues of our time. And so somehow or another, people get too far under the box. They get scandalized and they find themselves trapped in this very, very difficult place. And bitterness is just eating them alive, right? It can be bitterness toward everything. I tell you what, don't get anywhere near bitterness. Bitterness in an authority figure you don't even know in Washington, D.C. Bitterness, whatever you do, think clearly. Do not let bitterness creep in on you. It won't lead you the right direction. It will not lead you to be productive. It just leads you to be mad and, and, and when madness and anger comes, you can't hear God anymore. And then you start making stupid mistakes with your own personal life in the name of solving the problems of the government, right? And also, your destiny it doesn't have everything to do with what's going on in the school system or the government. Your personal destiny. You've got to hear God for what you're supposed to be doing right now. Who am I? Where do I work? What's my job description? How can I prosper my family? Matter of fact, I believe for the church. I believe this with all my heart. I believe, I'm going to say something crazy here. I believe this is an opportunity for us to become more profitable, more prosperous than you ever could imagine. Everybody else is local. So we just got to do is think like we do and trust God because they're not thinking clearly. And they're listening to all the wrong things and they're letting greedy people, people that are pulling the strings up here, take advantage of them. They're fleeing when they should stay, and they're staying when they should flee. They're no, they're out of control, and they're doing things out of a not out of a deep seated this is the will of God, but they're doing it just with their outward circumstances, or what, or most importantly, maybe they're, they're terrified that they couldn't do this or that without doing this or that. Right? This terror and fear is just um, scandalizing so many people, and a lot of people are under the box, right? And also, if you look at point B in your alley, we live in an unprecedented atmosphere of unfulfilled expectations. And so soul sickness is everywhere. Matthew 24 describes what it's going to be like in the very end. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, right? And betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many, many people. And the biggest way to get deceived by a false prophet is lose love of your, out of your heart, the intimacy with Jesus. And your prime time in the name of religion for deception right and and also the deception runs so deep I'm finding that especially with regard to the media I just there's so many people that are legends in their own mind (laughs) and they promote it that way just like everybody else promotes a television show or something you know Uh, the way they promote it with their advertising and everything and the, the latest this and the latest that and also they're capitalizing on the pain of our culture And then trying to turn it into this whole horrible thing. We're going down the toilet. Send me money quick so I can tell you some more about how we're going down the toilet, you know. Is anybody else understanding what I'm saying? And so we got all this information, but not any information. We got all these people that are telling us it's bad, which we already knew. But they're making it so bad that they've made a religion out of it. And this is all part of it, right? All part of this. In our time, we're in an unprecedented time of betrayal, turning away from the faith, betraying, you know, divorce, child molestation, all of it, false prophets and false religion, appearing and deceiving many, right? Wickedness, lawlessness, and here's the critical thing, the love of most growing cold, which is the father of, of the whole thing. People are so sick and they need healing on the inside, they need the love of God to settle them, to calm them, and to help them to think straight. And I'm so proud of uh, out of our counseling ministries that we do, that we we have tried to keep everything that we do in counseling focused on that one thing. You you need an encounter with intimacy with Jesus. You need that. And then we'll work our way out back into the rest of your problems, and we'll see what practical wisdom is for you to solve these problems, because there are practical things that need to be said, right? So taking offense cools love, and we see Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Wow. I've already kind of said that. But uh, I just think that's so important. But when offense comes, it cuts us off from the source of all love, God himself. And so when you look at passages like Matthew chapter 6 And uh, verses 12 to 15, I'll go to Matthew 18 as well, but um, let's read these passages. So this is part of the Lord's Prayer, and I find it's very interesting the way that Jesus taught us to pray actually deals with these issues. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus had a lot to say about forgiving people that are mean to you, radical to you, people that have stolen from you, right? And it's right there in the Lord's Prayer. Then here, look at this. And lead us not into temptation. Another way to say that is lead us not into testing. Lead us not into bad stuff. And I just think that's so cool. I get to pray about that. Lord, keep me out of bad stuff. Keep me out of bad finances. Keep me out of bad decisions. Keep me out of judgment with people. Keep me out of sickness and illness. Keep me away. Did you know you can pray for that? It's right there in the prayer. You get to pray preventatively. That's why prayer is one of the greatest things you can do in the world. It's not like the thing you do is the last resort. It's the first resort. Half of this prayer is staying out of trouble, right? Lord, forgive us our debts as we're forgiving our debtors. That keeps you out of trouble. That bitterness, that anger that attracts demons like honey does bees, Right? And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. What a great thing to be able to pray. Lord, deliver me from all this junk, these attacks, this stuff, physical, mental, emotional. Lord, deliver me. You get to pray that. You don't pray it because that's what you do after you've experienced evil. No, you get to do it as a preventative thing. Lord, keep me out of traps and trouble. Keep our church out of it. Help us not to make mistakes that we'll regret later. Help us not to react the wrong way. Lead us away from... What a great place to have in the prayers. This is the backside... Of the Lord's Prayer. And then he goes on further. And this is the whole backside of the Lord's Prayer. For Then he says this. Which is really the key of the matter right here. With when we're talking the other two things. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you. Your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins. Your Father will not forgive your sins. I got enough problems already. Without having the Father not forgiving my sins. That is the issue. Okay. It's one thing for... Being attacked by the enemy. It's another thing for God resisting me because I'm holding these grudges and this uh, guilt and this stuff, right? And God is not granting me grace because I'm giving nobody else slack whatsoever. Wow. This is big stuff. So when you're living in an unprecedented atmosphere of unfulfilled expectations and soul sickness, these words are so powerful and they are end-time words. They are absolutely end-time words, right? Right? Wickedness, lawlessness, the love, he says, of most, in verse 12, will grow cold. That's the critical thing. This is in Matthew chapter 24. So one of the most important things for us now is not to let the love grow cold, like we've been saying all along, right? All right. So let's look at Roman numeral 2, how offense, taking offense, cools love. And I love this passage. He says, above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Every decision you make, whether you're moving, getting a new job, how to treat people, how to handle a family member, right? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So you want a good heart, good, clean heart, so good flows from it, right? It's really, really important. So when bad things are happening inside, it cuts us off from the source of all love, especially offense, God himself, like we've said, the heart can be trapped in a jail of unforgiveness, and I would just add to that uh, demons. And if you look at Matthew 6, 12 to 15, like I said before, the whole back half of it is about demonic activity. It's about negative activity. And then we see this remarkable thing that Peter was told by Jesus because he's thinking he's being gallant so a religion will do this to you religion has this way I'm talking about religion apart from Jesus has this way of sort of measuring things in your own mind you know you become the standard right or maybe the way you were raised becomes the standard so look at this standard which he just blows every other standard we have for responding to mean people right out of the water right so Matthew 18 verses 21 to 35 Peter's listening to Jesus talk and he goes well Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. He's thinking, wow, that's pretty good, seven times, you know. See, Jesus, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Is that probably a pretty good standard, isn't it, right? I think I'm getting what you're saying. And then Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And I bet you if you looked at Peter's face, his face just went. Because let me say, let's just say this. Now, I hope I'm not generalizing too much, and, and I don't proclaim to be an expert in the Middle East, but it seems like to me they've had a few problems with regard to revenge and fighting. They've had a few problems in the Middle East. They've had it for a long time, and it's full in the Bible. We see it, right? So when he says 77 times to their environment, you know, where they've got Pharisees, they've got Sadducees, they've got the Roman army, they've got everybody around to offend them, this is like revolutionary, but it's kind of revolutionary for anybody to hear that, isn't it? Right? And so he, he goes on. Therefore, the kingdom of heavens is like a king who wanted to sell accounts with his servants. He began with a servant, a, a, a settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had, had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, and you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I got enough problems without the heavenly father being in this page with me, right? This place, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's a... that should be like one of the biggest warning signs. When you run across that beep, 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 danger, 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 trouble, trouble, review, review, review your life, right? Whatever you do, stay out of the place, that place, right? And so that's why he says in Proverbs four twenty three, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do, everything you make, your money, your finances, your marriage, everything happens from that heart place. So guard that heart. Make sure it's clear and clean, and this is good advice for us today. And if you look at Matthew 7, 1 and 2, do not judge, or you too will be judged. This is one of the hardest things we're dealing with right now, how to judge and not judge, how to recognize wickedness, how to say things, how to speak up, how to, you know, obviously there are some things that need judging, right? But he says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. And then he clarifies For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Which is very, very helpful to me. How I'm measuring out to others, I get measured back to me in return, right? So I think that kind of puts things in perspective, right? How I measure out whatever slack I give somebody else is what I'm going to get back on my own head and my own family, my own household, my money. Oh, it doesn't get serious for most of us until we start talking about our money. Yeah, my inner emotions, you know, I could be a little nicer, I guess. But when it starts affecting your money and everything, right, it will be measured to you. And that's a really important point I just made there. Good job, Mike. Because you took that out of the theoretical and brought it to where most people can understand. Good job, Mike. I appreciate that. All right. Now I've lost my place congratulating myself. So, to b <clears throat> Taking offense can cut us off from the blessing of God. And I just think that's pretty obvious, but I just think there's a passage in the scripture here that's maybe especially cool about this. Psalm 66, 20 I cried out to him with my mouth, his praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That's the main thing. I didn't want the Lord to stop listening to me. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer even about finances or anything else. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love for me. And could I just double down on this? I think we do okay with loving maybe an honorary Christian brother, maybe sometimes, maybe not. But the level of attack on everybody today, and especially the people of God, by the world, is off the charts. Yet the same scriptures apply. Couldn't we just get a little allowance? No. The most important thing is you've got to guard your heart and not get bitter. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful in a time where everybody's trying to trip us up, right? It's very easy to cherish sin in your heart. And there's a fine line between cherishing sin in your heart and being seen in a thing objectively. And this is where we're all at at the moment. And it's really important. And for me, it's really important because I want to do well. I want to be blessed, right? Right? In the end, I want to be blessed, but I'm cherishing these, these things when I know good and well that the world is... But, hey, the world's the world. They're supposed to be like that. They don't know Jesus. That's they got Their father is often the devil. What do you think you're going to get? It's just now the devil is a little bit more visible and strong and in institutions and in things that we never thought would be so polluted. Never in our lifetime would we think... It would be so polluted. And yet they are, right? And it's really hard to take sometimes. So we've got to be careful about this taking offense. Taking offense can cut us from the off from the joy of our salvation. That's the most important thing. When everything becomes focused on this life, I'll tell you what happens. Gratitude goes right out the door. And that's part of the opposite, I, I believe, of, of, of um, uh, judgment gratitude, right? And I look at Psalm 51, verses 10, 11, and 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's David praying. What a great prayer. I think that's one of our main prayers. Right? God, have mercy on me. Help me have a pure heart. We, we are walking in areas and things in our government and schools and our life and our employment that we've never dealt with before. God, O God, in the midst of all this, please have mercy on me. Create in me a pure heart and a renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. That is the most important thing. God, I can't lose sight. I can't leave. I, can't, I, I have to have you near. I, I need to know you're with me. I need to know. have a sense of your love and compassion for me. Don't take your presence from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. A willing spirit to obey, to do what you want me to do a willing spirit to forgive where necessary, to take huge steps of faith where necessary. And just because we're forgiving, letting people off the hook, that also there's another dimension to this. It means that we also, on the other side, become bold as lions. That means, on the other side, that we got to trust God to take care of us, and we may have to take some chances. We may have to start some new things. New schools, new businesses, all kinds of new things. Boy, do I have new things. And thank you, by the way, for all your help and support of our build-out. And it's just been one thing after another, one trial after another. But we're about about a month, maybe six weeks away from having part number one completely done in the warehouse, in the parking lot, and in this building over here. We're getting really close, right? Then comes part two. We have other things, other designs, including the property across the street. I said that real quick. Now let's move on. Okay. So I don't want to get off on that so I'll definitely talk all day. Verse because I got a I got a, I got some thoughts. I think they're coming from the throne room. So I'm testing them out right now. Roman number three three, how to find the tenderness of, of love again. This is the key thing. Forgive God. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Sometimes like We don't think we're angry at God, but when it gets right down to it, we're actually mad. Because he didn't cover us at the right time. We know good and well he could snap his fingers and this could happen. And we're in this battle trying to figure out, you know, God, what's going on here? You know, I think I've done all the, I've checked all the boxes and still you're making me wait. I just, (sighs) so one of the hardest things sometimes is to forgive God, to not get mad at God. Oh, and that's the worst thing. (laughs) Don't go get mad at God, right? Right? He's the one that actually shed blood for you, right? He's the one that was raised from the dead for you. He's the one that organizes your life and impresses you and encourages you and gives you hope, right? So you don't want to get on the other side of him, right? If that happens, then everything else seems to fall apart. But the other part, forgive others and step out from under what we call the box. What's the box? Proverbs 13:12. Hope deferred makes the soul sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. There's a lot of heart sick. We don't want to be heart sick. And we don't have to be. In the beginning, we make a choice. And we say, I'm not going that way. But then we just walk with God. And part of walking with God is not only not doing negative things. It's hard to walk with God not doing negative things. Receiving positive things. At the very top of the list is the love of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. That thing that we're going to do, you know... Uh, in our, our our classes in life and in the spirit the baptism we have the the things that we do i tell you i said it at the beginning and and i just want to just say this in the midst of all of this sort of uh, attitudes that we're taking and changing our mind could i just say i got to say this i got to say this i got to make a comment there is a tangible love of god presence that's available that you can experience on a level maybe you've never experienced before and i just got to say that i said it at the very beginning and this is really framing everything. Well, you need, we need a daily impartation of the love of God. We need a supernatural infusion. Right now, there's all kinds of deliverance ministries and power ministries going on, which I appreciate getting the devil out. But could I just say to you, there is nothing that drives the devil out on this planet like the love of God. When the love of God hits your soul, you take your little broom and you start sweeping every corner. Right? So you've got to be careful about deliverance trying to be the solution to all your problems. You're just at the beginning when you get there, right? And so you have to sometimes speak to things and deal with them in faith, right, and have someone pray with you and help them and bind and loose. But the greatest binding and loosing comes when an encounter with the love of God keeps hitting your heart, and pretty soon you just start kicking them out yourself. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. But you have to have a steady flow, right? like you need a resource and some of us are so empty in our resource with regard to love that it's difficult for us to even do battle against the enemy because we have nothing on the inside holding us up helping us stand firm love will cause you to stand firmer than any kind of anything else in the world even faith experience of love will help you stand and fight a great faith uh, a fight of faith right that's what sometimes you have to do even after a deliverance you have to stand there and say, no, you're not coming back. No, I'm not caving in. No, that's not going to happen anymore. And where does that come from? Willpower? Oh, man, a little bit. But I'm telling you, willpower is flapping in the wind until the stability comes where I'm rooted in the love of God. Then I go, oh, I'm not caving in again. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that anymore, right? Oh, I'm a little violent here. Stop that. All right. Forgiveness means to stop waiting for others to make things right. Forgiveness means to stop judging others for what they've done to you. We've already been over that. But look at point B under three. Let God heal you of brokenness. Sometimes deliverance from demonic oppression may be necessary, like I mentioned. And I just want to quote uh, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, and James 5, 13 to 20, which are so great. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So this is our job. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That sounds so nice and so romantic, but when we start dealing with the brokenhearted and the captives, it's rugged. I just thank you for all of you that help both the homeless and help with the severely broken. Boy, I tell you, what you need is a double resource of compassion. Because willpower won't do it. People are so unreasonable, so crazy, huh, Janice? <laughs> so nuts. Dealing with it on every basis, everyday basis is so hard. Sometimes, and we give up too early. But it's part of our mandate. There's nothing romantic about the homeless. There's very little romantic about people on drugs, and are, you know we have all these. You know the church only gets to the place where they get a little romance about. Oh yeah, we'll have a little bit of this. But can you help us do this? No, man, I don't even know. I freak out every time I see one of those people. We've got to get to the place where we love pushes us into the fray so there's not a few warriors out there with a little bag of money trying to deal with this thing. I, I see that all the time. Can I just speak to you all about this a little bit? Please try to be the answer to a problem before you make you delegate it or give it to the department in the church that handles that right, because in a very simple way, you can be helpful, just giving a person a place to stay for a couple of nights, just taking a risk with them, paying for their gas, right, without coming to ask us, hey, could you pay for this person's gas, just do that, like an army, and then the big stuff, we can take care of, or the middle stuff, whatever, but if you think of compassionate Army, if we start doing that ourselves, like so many of you are right now, I'm hoping that we'll all get infected with the love of God, right, to heal the brokenness of our culture, right? And so we see this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. When the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us, this is what you get. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to who? I'm anointed for the poor. You get anointed for the poor. This is part of our inheritance. But I tell you that anointing is sometimes a little bit elusive because the brokenhearted are not nice. They bite. <laughs> They're not nice. They're They're brokenhearted. They're mean sometimes, very mean, maybe most of the time, until they climb out, and they become themselves again. And this love of God comes, and they're okay again. But it's hard to get dealt horrible blows in your marriage or to be kicked out on the street with a bunch of kids, or you be nice, <laughs> right? But he sent us to those kind of people. And I just want to tell you how appreciative I am of your support, both practical support and thousands, I mean not thousands, hundreds of volunteers and also financially helping us because we figured out how to do this to some extent. I'm not going to ever say that we figured it out totally because it's just the time I say that and I get a little pride in there, I'm going to get killed, right, with just bad stuff going on, right, and not knowing what to do. But I just got to say that we're learning how to bind the brokenhearted, and I just want to thank you for the volunteer effort, and that we purposely have that warehouse so will be a church that gets to do this stuff. How else you get to do this stuff? Somebody's got to say, I'm going to do this stuff. And where am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? Well, one place, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right over there in that tent. But where else do I do it? And there's a dozen places. Where this is happening all over the place. Where we're regularly touching, right? And I want to thank you for all the help. And uh, But look at our mandate here. He has sent me, us, to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. What a pro Whoa. Now listen, comfort all who mourn, this is a big deal, but oh, it's so romantic, comforting those who mourn. Oh, have you ever been around a person that's mourning, severely mourning? They don't have a hope in the world. Trying to cheer them up is really hard. And they have such deep-seated mourning issues. They've lost fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers. They've, people are on the street. They've had horrible divorces. They're, they're suffering in their body with not enough medical care and all of that, right? Be sent us to those kind of people to reclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. It's hard work sometimes, but rewarding work. This is God's stuff, man. So on the other side of it, it's not only like, Wow, this entry place where you sort of learn how to sacrifice, but boy, on the other side of it is pure joy. So i got to say, I'm a very happy person these days. Partially because I think we're slowly but surely getting into this place as a church, and I'm going, wow, this is just like, Jesus. this is where we need to go. Now, Lord, we have a long way to go, but this is great. To reclaim the year of the Lord's favor, I can declare that over people. Even the worst person, even the person that's in the deepest place and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Oh, my goodness. If there is, there is a sound of grief in Zion that is so loud right now in our culture, it's loud, horrible sound of grieving and loss, lost opportunity, lost possibilities, lost hope. And, oh, man, we get to be a part of summoning that. And you think, well gosh, I just barely make it myself. Oh, you know what? Give a little bit away, and guess what happens? It shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. That's the first thing I'm trying to teach people that are in desperate place. Okay, we're gonna help you, but look, you've got to get on place. And what you need to do is to really prosper is be a giver. You start giving, you start being the solution of other people's problems. And see what begins to happen on your own life. Don't get in a core, a little place of isolation and selfishness. Get a place where we're beginning to get integrated. Get back, and get back on your feet. And as you get back on your feet, start being a giver, not a taker. And guess what? Give and what shall happen? It shall be given to you. What kind of... Do you get back? Good measure. pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Right? To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve and shine, To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Oh, my gosh. That is like our job description right now. Oh, and it sounds so romantic. Oh, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning. If they were so busy biting us while we we're doing this, it would be a little better, but but eventually they stop biting us, the hand that feeds him and then we get better, right? And we get happier, right? And we can see the progress, and that's where we're at right now. James 5 verses 13 to 20. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Wow! We have the power to do that? To break even bondage of addictions and all of that? Yeah. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. And we're part of the forgiveness process, helping them get forgiven, help them confess their sins. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person is power the the prayer of a righteous person is powerful in effect. We are powerful with one another. We have enormous power. As we confess and be weak with one another and pray for each other, we get healed. And there's a righteous person is powerful and effective. As we move into this area of righteousness, we define what a righteous person is. I think the way you define what a righteous person is, is they're involved in this kind of stuff. The Bible defines it that way over and over again. We're right on the ground floor. We're in this mess where everybody is. We're not looking at it and going, oh my gosh, we've got a mess. Government is a mess. They're causing all this. No, no. Okay, that may all be true or not true. I don't know how much of it's true. But one thing's for sure. Despite what mess is being made by everybody else, we have a commission and we have an anointing. And we're called on to solve this problem. Don't forget the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you can't do anything else, you can pray. Look at this. And then he says, hey, you know, I kind of liked what I wrote there. I think I'll add some more. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly would not rain and did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He's trying to say, hey, look, you're just like Elijah. Whoa, yeah, me and Elijah, just like that. Affecting the weather, for heaven's sake. And if you can affect the weather, why can't we affect other things in our culture, right? Wow. What power we have. What authority. So, as we're going through the brokenness, and I think God healed, please, as you're being healed, just reveal, let, agree with God about your stuff. That's the best thing you can do to get out of a broken place. My part was this. Most of our counseling brings a person to that place. What was my part? We spend the first three months getting around to the other part, what they did wrong. And then, then after that, we get to the place where what I've done wrong, right? So, why don't we, if we're in a broken place, go first to the place what we did wrong and stay there for a while. You'll get, you'll get well faster, right? And sometimes people don't want to go there, so it takes a little while. So that's where our counselors are, and that's where ministry is, letting people gently get to the place where they can agree with God about their stuff, what they're responsible for, and their own sin. Renounce bad attitudes. And then, as you do that, then the things wide open. Rebuke demonic power that's been gained access. Rebuke it in Jesus' name. I think the counselors today of our world have to be half deliverance people and half compassion, full of compassion. That's a hard thing because usually it's been the deliverance people aren't exactly the most compassionate people in the world, right? But we have to learn how to be compassionate and then deliver and enter into the fray with people, deliverance. And we can do both. God says that, rebuking in Jesus' name, stuff that's been in place maybe in your family line for years. Time to cut it off. And it's possible in our day. Look at C there. We're coming to a close here. Here's one of the most important things. And I'm going to kind of go where I started. Receive first love all over again. Stand firm to the end. Remember we read from Matthew 24, right? Uh, verses 12 and 13. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So in our day and time, don't let your love grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. Stay in worship. Stay with other people. Stay in the truth. Read your Bible. Help it understand who you are, what your responsibility is, and what faith you need to exercise. Sometimes just loving people just takes raw faith and decisions, right? But the one who stands firm, that's why it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But then he says this, But the one who stands firm to the end will be safe. So sometimes love is just standing firm, not caving in, and being maybe beyond what you thought you could be for another person, going the second mile with them, sacrificing, right? God will give you the energy to do that. He doesn't give us the energy to do that all the time. One of our biggest trials is how far do I go to help a person? When's the limit? When When's the, When is? the? When do I stop? It's a very one of the hardest decisions we have to make. But the love of the Father guides you all the time. He'll even guide you into discipline. Nope, can't do that anymore. So if I do that, I'm going to enable you to kill yourself. And you're just going to go another round. Nope, can't do that. A lot of people want to do that. So sometimes we have to uh, just stop, right? And do something else while the Lord deals with them, right? And this gospel of the kingdom, and this is probably the whole uh, really critical part of this, is... <clears throat> we'll preach in the whole world as a testament to all the nations, and then the end comes. But it's all connected to all this other stuff that goes beforehand. They're not disconnected subjects. Receiving God's supernatural love to refire your heart. I want to just read this passage, and I, I think I'll probably uh, stop right here. I want to read this because I want, and I, I think I'm talking to the choir here, but it just, the majesty of of what is possible to receive on the inside so you're okay. It's just amazing to me. It's in scripture after scripture. God, Jesus says it, the scriptures say it, and it's the thing that impressed the disciples the most in spite of all that was going on and the, and, and the violence and the early church persecution and stuff. Then we see these p- passages of scripture that reveal the heart, the possibilities. And I'm just now getting that to my life in the spirit class. I always teach on this. I spent a couple of weeks just talking and experiencing the love of God. I mean, experiencing. I'm not saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, so therefore I should love other people. I'm talking about an encounter at a very deep level that God absolutely is crazy about me. God absolutely loves me. There's nothing that can take that place. And I'll be forever indebted to Eddie Piorik for opening the door of that to me. It happened when I got initiated in the vineyard, I didn't know what sauce I'd been drinking. You know, I didn't know what was in this thing. You know, I had this encounter, and then Eddie said, you "No, know, this is in the sauce. This is what it is here. This is the vineyard. This is in the sauce." I mean, half the vineyard doesn't even know it, but this is what it is. He called it the love of the Father. And boy, talk about helpful! Because I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. All I was having is a major redo of the love of God in my life, right? I thought I was like. I thought I was Ferdinand the Bull for a while there, you know, the little thing in my teeth and dancing. I felt like one of the most... That's Honestly, I had had so much of a loveless life that I felt too feminine. It scared the heck out of me. I thought, man, I am God. I, boy, I have lost it worse, you know, than I thought. Maybe I'm just becoming, wow, I mean, love. I just want to love everybody. Oh, it's like drinking... Something or whatever. I believe it's in the original DNA of the vineyard. I believe it. I don't think that most of the vineyard even knows that. I'm, well, I better want to comment on that. I just was at a pastor's meeting the other day and I just I thought to myself, wow, we're talking about all this stuff, but don't you know what's in the core here? What's in the vineyard? I mean, we should be talking about this. This is who? Who am I? Who are we in the world? Who are we? Here's who we are Mercy. That's who we are. Experience it and give it away. Start there and just work your way into all the rest of it. Thank you for all of you who have helped me in my own walk with that. So these are the kind of passages that make us all crazy and excited, right? Listen to this. Paul's prayer. For this reason I kneel before the Father for whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And he says this. I'm going to pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Yeah, yeah, I want the power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Yeah, I want that. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, whoa, what, may have power, oh, that kind of power, together with all the Lord's holy people. Now listen to this. Is this even possible? Is this possible? To grasp how high, how wide, and long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What? you mean if I grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, I'll know this love and it'll surpass my knowledge about God? And it will cause me to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, all the fullness of God. Yeah, the faith I need for miracles, the, the revelation I need to make the right decisions, the love of God coming, revealing affecting my life in such a way I become compassionate and powerful at the same time. It's all in that thing. And he's praying, oh man, you Ephesians, I just hope and pray In the end of the day this is what happens to you because it's amazing, right? Standing firm, unafraid in the love of God. It takes God to love God. So hang out where God lives. And then you get to share the joy of heaven in a real way, not in even a religious way, I want to say that in a, in a real way, in a in a in a way that is so wonderful. Not just uh, people are convert, not just converts notches on your belt. You're not bragging how big your church is or how big your benevolence ministry is. But but this whole thing of sharing the joy of heaven. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. These are our people, by the way, and they have different names and they look weird and they're way different like than the first century, but they're the same sinners and the tax collectors that's our people and we look at Los Angeles and major cities and watch what they're grappling with on the streets when all along that's our people that's the church's people now the tax gatherers and sinners are all gathered around Jesus they're the ones that like Jesus But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, but doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Then we got all excited and then we start dealing with the kind of person that's lost and we just freak out because they are so lost. <laughs> 10 years ago they were mostly lost. Now they're lost 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 exclamation part lost and crazy at the same time. But the thing is what we get to do and I'll finish on this is we get to take part in the great drama of the ages. And here it is in Matthew 24 We talked about how the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, verse 12, the one who stands firm the end will be saved, all that. But look at this, and this is the glory. This is where we're at. This is where we're at when we were talking about the world and how God's moving across the world. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is where we're at. This is where we're all going. This is our prophetic destiny and all these steps of standing firm and unafraid in the love of God help facilitate in the ways we can't imagine, right? Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Whew. I just think we should just give some time here up in the front. I think we have the musicians come. Oh, man. I just think maybe some of you could just do us some business up in the front, right? So I'm going to baptize some people right over here. We're going to have a good time. But I don't want to miss out on some of you as we're doing the worship and everybody's gathering. Just have a little encounter from your seat or maybe up in the front here if you'd like to come. So if you just like to come and ask God to just release some love and just compassion in you and some presence and some healing even of your brokenness, why don't you just come up here to the front and just move across this way and just don't go any farther up to the front than here. And if I could have the ministry team people help us and you could come. So go this way if you want that. I'm not doing something else only. I'm. We're going to do baptisms, but there's a holy ambush waiting for you if you want to respond to it. You could do it from your seat even. And i just really appreciate if you guys could do some worship and... Because I want a holy ambush. How about you? I need, I don't know. I tell you, I'm like so voracious. I need love all the time. I need God. So if I could have some ministry team. These people will be in the front. You can have them pray with you or you can pray from wherever you're at, wherever you like, okay? You guys, whatever you do today, let's minister the love of God. Ask God to ambush people, okay? So from where I am over, we're going to pray over here. I'm going to be baptizing people in a moment over here. Would you guys just start the worship? Jesus, I pray today, right now, you could even sit in your own seat, wherever you are, but Lord, I'm asking right now, as we worship here, maybe there's someone in the corner, they're just worshiping, they say, God, my heart is so broken, I'm so lonely, I'm so angry, I just need love, in the music, and as we pray for each other, I pray for lovely love, and compassion, Supernatural calming the soul. Lord, bring a supernatural calming of the soul today. In Jesus' mighty name.